With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. and gentlemen here we are it's the leafs weekender and yes there's an extra person with us today lease giffer jiffer however you want to say it extraordinaire the one the only omar or if you want to see him over on twitter it's tic tac tomar right here how's it going my friend long time no chat yeah yeah literally we we're just talking like before the recording started just like how the show overall has has evolved before it was just uh just phone calls and such and uh, now it's like a full stop, but you know, it, it's been great. I remember back when we were like making jokes about talking about like Carolina and, 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 and how like, you know, some, some trades between the Leafs and Carolina might go. And now we're in another year hoping that they win a playoff round. So things change to an extent, but, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. No, yeah, well, I appreciate yeah. you stopping in. And of course we have uh Mr. Pete the heat, one of my co-hosts here. How are you doing? Uh, my... all the time. And then we have Mr. D434. Dylan, I'm too beautiful for this podcast for you. <laughs> All right. So let's get right into it here. Do the little ad read. Boxing Rock Brewing Co. is the proud sponsor of Offside Hockey Talk. Be sure to check out their puck off Lagerdale when you're out east. It's the absolute big beer for the big game or the big book podcast with Tic Tac Tomar. And let's jump into it. The Leafs week that was... They faced the New Jersey Devils and the Edmonton Oilers. The Devils game, to me, guys, was a game where you look at it and you say, that's kind of playoff hockey. You got to have a nail-biter. You got to figure it out. You got to grind it out, and you got to get the win, especially when you're down, guys. And if you guys all remember, I mean, I'm probably the elder statesman of this group, but when the Leafs went on that playoff run in the early 2000s, Dylan, you may not have even been born. Um, hey. You know, Alan McCauley and if you if you remember the names Alan McCulley and the the band of Merry Men when Matt Sundin and all the big guys were out injured, um, they went on a run. They went and did some damage, and really when all the big guys came back, I think it kind of fell apart. But that's what Tuesday remind me of. It was a bunch of guys that had to figure it out, and a lot of guys were coming into the lineup that are new that just got traded here. There's names that you know have to try to fill in whether they get into the lineup or not, whether it's Steve's. You look at all these different call-ups, different line combinations. Lafferty's playing with Yarn Croak and Nylander, and now that might be a thing. So it was kind of looking back in time. We talk about the joke when we started the show here about how things change but stay the same. That, to me, reminded me of the early 2000s. Next man up mentality, and the Leafs got it done against the Devils. Uh, Omar, what did you think about the game against the Devils and how that team kind of persevered with no Tavares? Matthews with the banged-up knee that he's telling everybody's banged-up and Ryan O'Reilly out until the end of March. Yeah, it seems like one of those games where we're just like the, the the list of reasons to justify the loss was just like piling up. Like, as you said, you know, you don't have Ryan O'Reilly. Joe John Tavares was, was out with uh, some type of illness. Um, Austin Matthews gets hit in the side on the side of the knee with the puck. Um, the the Devils have been a great team the entire season. So, like, there are, there are a number of things you can bring up where it's like if they ended up losing the game, it's like, oh, okay, well, you know. You know, it's Jersey and Yada, but they were able to do it. They were able to actually like come out, come away with the win. And I think that, you know, to your point, that you know, and the kind of the comparisons, to, like you know, the early two thousands. I think that's what you want to see in a, in a team that I think has really tried to address that depth issue, both at forward and on defense. Where usually, if there was ever ever an injury, whether it was a significant injury or a smaller one. You know the the next person in wouldn't really fill that job or fill that role. I remember there are my moments where like, you know, Nick Robertson would be the person to like go in and say like, okay, maybe that can be the person that can that can spark the lineup. I think that win in particular is a sign that you know the Leafs can get it done when it needs to be done against like quality competition. You know, I I I 
I, I like the fact that it was done against the Devils. I really do because yeah. again, they're one of the teams in the East that a lot of people are focusing on. They you know they they acquired Timo Meyer, who didn't have that great that great of a game um on that night either. So I think it was awesome, awesome for the Leafs to kind of band together and able to, to get these wins, even though again there was a list of reasons why if they ended up if they ended up losing that game, would say okay, well you know just one game we'll move on to the next. Yeah, so I want to ask the same question of you, Pete. What did you take away from that New Jersey game, aside from the points that we've already made here? Uh, what stood out to you that night? Well, what pisses me off? I mean, like they, they always they're coming off a loss to, to Vancouver, which was a terrible game, and like it was the last game of that road trip. So like I wasn't expecting too much. Um, I mean, they held in, I, they kept the game close. I think New Jersey even outshot them. Like it was like seven nothing in the first. Um, the Leafs just, I don't know, they found, they find it, good teams find ways to win, and that's what the Leafs did that night. So, uh, I mean, I was happy with the effort, um, good third period, and uh, yeah, they just found a way to win. What do you say, Dilly? Now, although I didn't get to watch it, um, from what I, from what I can see, this is, this is a team that um, they're, they're taking their chances when they can, and they're battling with every ounce that that they can. And that that's playoff hockey. Um, the fact that Tavares has been, or has been injured. He had limited minutes, I think in that game where it was this past game um, says a lot about uh, what Dubas wanted to do at the trade deadline and get that depth. Sam Lafferty stepped up to the plate and they, they scored the first goal there. Um, Mitch Marner, he's been on fire the past couple of games. He got that shorthanded goal. And then, although Austin's knee was acting up, he he scored a power play goal, and he's he's had now thirty uh, goals in seven seasons. So uh, it, it says a lot about this group, and they're growing in the right direction. It, and I'm absolutely pumped to to see the last couple games of the season to see uh, the chemistry actually mold together with these uh, new guys that are in the lineup. And see, I think that's going to be a problem here. We'll move off the New Jersey Devil game in a moment. The, the continuity of the lines and getting things gelling is going to be a problem because you we've all alluded to it. Austin Matthews and that knee, he looked good last night because he had a couple of days to be able to rest. No game. This week, now you're looking at four games and seven nights. Uh, you got Buffalo. You got you got Gauntlet. You got Colorado. Um, Ottawa's in there. Um, I think it's Carolina as well. So you're, you're playing the who's who's. And, you know, Ottawa fighting for every point. Buffalo fighting for every point. Now you have Austin Matthews with a banged-up knee that he admittedly talked about yesterday and said that it's still not feeling the greatest. So now you have to look at those words, load management, and do you sit Austin Matthews here where you have depth, where you have guys you can call up to use? And I wonder if you do that because you want Austin Matthews to be 100%, and maybe – he sits two games this week. I'm wondering, am I out to lunch here, Omar, or is that something that maybe the Leafs might have to look at with their premier guy they need for the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting. That that really interested me a lot. I guess the 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 honesty that that Matthews had with it, because usually you know, if Matthews is dealing with something, he kind of tries to downplay it, like, oh, you know, I just like tweak something here or there. You know, I'm just gonna you know take some rest or whatever. Um, so in a weird way, I think him talk about it. I don't know if I'm trying to like psych myself into it. It may kind of makes it makes me feel like it might not that be too big of a deal. Like maybe it's a little, like, you know, a, a bump or a bruise that like everyone will have, like you know, at, at this point of the season. But you know, I, I do think, especially with all the all like the new parts, it hasn't been like a good stretch run where the Leafs have been able to make use of like all of their new acquired talent like all at once. Usually, you know, there's an injury here. Ryan O'Reilly's out until like what, like a couple of games left of the season. You know, Lafferty got gotten a serious run. McCabe got a serious run. You know, Luke Shen, you know, just um, you know, just walked up to trial, so he hasn't been around around the team as much. There's a whole eleven forward, seven seven D thing. So like trying to like kind of get things together. So I I, I don't I don't I, I think I think even if it's I don't know I don't want to say even if it's significant. But I I just because again I don't think it's that bad. At the same time, I don't think now is the time for Matthews to sit. Um, and I know in the past that that has been a conversation. Like last year, you know, everyone was like, hey, let him get 60 and then he, then he can sit. But I think in this run to the, to, the, to the playoffs now, and again, the fact that you are facing the team, you're also facing teams 
that are desperate that want that want the points. And I forgot who it was that mentioned it yesterday. I don't know if it was Keith specifically or even Nylander, but like they they mentioned the idea that you know why was the game so intense? And uh, I think it was Nylander. It was like you know, well, both teams want the points. So you have a, you know, you have yeah. a game a game a game with Buffalo. Buffalo's like they're going for that second wild card spot. Ottawa's going for that second wild card spot. Carolina's a, a top team in the league. So like all of these games can be little tests or like maybe little boats of confidence for the players themselves, you know, where you can use to kind of, you know, pick up the, the pace a little bit. I think though there are a lot of the new members on the team that have kind of helped like increase like the internal competition, the internal intensity, right? And then even on the competition factor, there's still players who are trying who are still trying to fight to be on that game one lineup. So I, I don't think Matthew should sit. Um, and to be honest, I actually kind of hope that he plays as much as possible and kind of gets more into like a flow when it comes to his offensive scoring. And, you know, I think nowadays, especially like after, you know, the, after the, um, the uh, oh, recent game, uh, the Edmonton game, you know, seeing, yeah. seeing him score his goal. And again, he scored against New Jersey as well. We haven't seen a lot of those runs where like every single game is just goal, 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 goal. And I hope Matthews can get into that. And if there's ever a time to do it, it'd be now. He's sick, like game one against Tampa, which we all know is going to happen. He's just like on his, like on his best offensively. So I, I'm all for playing him. I don't, I don't think the injuries are too bad, whatever it is. And it ends up being. Pete Tilly, what do you think? What was the question? <laughs> we'll also get basically. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're all good. Um, I, I, I don't think he should. Let, like Omar said, like you want him to go into this postseason at the top of his game. And I, I saw, I saw the game against Edmonton, and man, does he have this edge to him? And I, I, I don't know if it was just because it was against Connor McDavid, but you guys, well, they saw got him into a little tussle. Yeah, yeah, the the tussle between yeah. them. The the it's always been Connor versus Austin, and I think that was a big game for Austin to be like, listen, guys, I'm not going anywhere. I've just been sitting around. Uh, sorry, not sitting around. I've just been here this entire season trying to prove to everybody that I'm improving on another side of my game rather than the goal scoring. Where Connor's done the same, but his is totally focused on offense and taking over the game. Austin's doing it on both sides of the ice. And I, th- I think he's, he's ramping up for a, a great playoff. I hope um, it, it was, he's, I think he's at the top of his game right now, but I just can't wait to see what else he has to do. Yeah. I'm, I'm sort of on your side. Uh, I hear what you're saying. Um, maybe just set him out last game of the season. I don't know, but uh, yeah, let him keep going. I love his two way game right now. He doesn't have to score 60 goals like he did last year. Um, just, Keep keep going, keep playing your game, and then yeah, just save it for the playoffs. Just light, just light up the lightning in uh, game seven this time. That's light up the lightning. Need. Look at this guy with the wordplay. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's switch to that Edmonton game, and I want to say some things about the Edmonton game here. The officiating, it was playoff esque. To be honest with you, they were letting a lot of things go, and when they did call things, it was both guys going. Yeah, and I know Toronto came out on the advantage for the power plays. But one thing that I did like is I like the battle back factor. Bunting and Kane. Bunting didn't back down. Went after Kane just as much as Kane went after him. Tavares didn't take um, DeArnais Lickens. He got cross-checked three or four times, slashed him, took the $5,000 fine. Was Tavares in the right to slash like that? We know that can injure someone. No, but if the ref isn't going to call anything, you've gotten a, what, a stick to your back and your back played like a violin you know, three or four times, guys just strumming up and down it. And yeah. then all well of a sudden, spent 5,000. Well yeah. spent. Yeah. He tries to foot you and you get upset. And then you got Matthews and McDavid. Oh, and by the way, anybody who was upset about the McCabe and Lafferty deal, which I did see some pushback of why they got these guys, what you need to see is what happened when TJ Brody knocked the guy down in front of the net and the beeline from Lafferty and McCabe to jump in there. <laughs> And start grabbing guys and pulling them out of the pile and flippers flying. I love it. I love it. That's what this team needs. And it really put the jam into the team last night. They were ready to go. They were hitting more, grinding more. And they just made McDavid's night miserable. You can do that to a team in the playoffs. Start playing that heavy grinding game and shut down the opposing team's scores and have some of your 
other pieces score, that's the big thing. And that's what happened against the Edmonton Oilers. Nola Chari gets two goals because of the extra work, the extra play. John Tavares in front of the net, driving the net. Mitch Marner just being stupid and doing that <laughs> move that everybody was just like, what just happened? You know, so these things are key, but the defensive grinded out style, the Leafs did that last night to Edmonton and their big guns, they didn't like it. Connor McDavid was sulky. He didn't like And I love the fact every time Toronto scored, the camera went to McDavid's face. Yeah, but they're but omar a game like that last night it really does put a little pep in a step for a leaf fan because this team still needs to gel together but it looks like the pieces understand what they're there for and what they need to do to take up after one another to add some spark and like dylan said about matthew's 200 foot game it was on display last night defending against Connor mcdavid you know even william nylander with the back check stick lift on mcdavid all those little things are coming to fruition now. But that goes a long way. What did you take away from that Edmonton game um, besides Matt Murray maybe not hugging his post enough? <laughs> well, I think I think the well, – okay, well, first off, to, to touch on some of the points you made before because, like, yeah, like, I think McCabe, McCabe specifically has been, has been incredible. And I think every that the Leafs have needed slash wanted on defense for a long time. And you know, you mentioned um, you know, you know, McCabe like go grabbing grabbing guys out of, out of piles. It was TJ Brody who tied up McDavid and like kind of dropped him a little bit. And then Evander Kane went in, and then McCabe kind of stepped in. It was like, oh no, 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 like like, like this is not happening. You know, had a had some great great a great shifts on the penalty kill as well. Like I think he got got his full body in front of um a Leon Drysaddle like pass attempt. So so yeah. on that aspect, like, it's great there. But I think what that game like really shows, and and I like that you mentioned Murray because Murray didn't have the best game. But like what it shows is like what this team is capable of when you have, you know, structure in front of the net, and when the core four just you know decides to just take the game over, like like the the, 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 the sequence goals was was hilarious to me because it's it's um Marner first, then it's Nylander, then Tavares, then Tavares again, and then Matthews like. And every time we talk about, like, what do the Leafs need to do to, in the playoffs? Yeah, we can get into like, the nitty-gritty minutiae. Yeah, you have to defend. You have to be gritty. You have to get saves, yada, yada. But, like, at the same time, you also need the best players to be the best players. And, Dylan, you mentioned it You mentioned it earlier. You know, like, yes, it's great for Matthews to score his goals. But, like, can his goals be scored in, like, end of game seven playoff series? And I think what we saw in that last game against Edmonton, again, a team that is going to the playoffs, they are, you know, they're – their fate is kind of like decided to an extent. They they know that they're going to make it. They just don't know who they're going to face. Again, it's a, it's a game. Everyone's hyping up the matchup, hyping it up. And even though the Leafs did not have the best goaltending, they won. And that's the most important thing. Yes, I do. would you love it to be like a 4-1-95 devil shutdown, whatever? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I think there have been so many times, there's so many games in this like Matthews-Marner era where either – you know, the players show up, but they can't get a save. Or the goaltender's awesome, but they can't score a goal. And here we had goals being scored despite the fact that the goaltending wasn't great. They're still playing very well. You know, just Again, pucks were, pucks were beating Murray, but they still found a way to win anyway. So I think that's like the main thing. The main thing that I want to focus on is just like how important it is for the best players to be the best players and not just only be the best players in certain circumstances. So I guess what I want to see moving forward is that be consistent. Can we get to, can we get to a point where Ryan O'Reilly comes back and the core four just, you know, continues to continues to go up. Can you have like a headed monster where you have like, like elite skill, elite finishing, finishing threats on every single line and just roll teams over and over again. So that's what I kind of get a little bit excited about um, when it yeah. comes to all the transitions and all the acquisitions that, that, that have been done. But like a game that game like that, that Saturday night against Edmonton, like there's a lot to like uh, about how the team played. Definitely. Dylan, Pete, anything to add to the Edmonton game there? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> Dylan, you want to go? I, I first want to shout out my girlfriend's dad because I was over I don't get to see them that often because I'm on afternoons and he puts on the game. He knows I wanted to watch it, but I know that 
his wife and my girlfriend wouldn't want it on. And he's just like slyly puts it on. I'm like, oh, thank you. And, and he put it on at a perfect time. Now, I want to say you you touched on Matt Murray. At, I think it was I think it was in the second. I think the th- shots were 13 something. And it was three goals for Edmonton, one goal for Toronto. Matt Murray didn't come out to the greatest start. But when it came to it at the end of the game, he he made the great saves. I, I, I can't remember. There was a play, I think, right out front, and he dove in and completely robbed the guy. I, I, was I think it was dry title with the glove. Yeah. Yes. Mm, right. Yep. Um, yep. And he, he, he came up big in the big moments. And that's, that's what we've been looking for for a while. The defense showed up. We we stuck up for our players when it came to it. I loved the cane and the the bunting stuff. Bunting after the game was just like, I don't really care to talk about this. It was what it was. Uh, seeing McDavid and Matthews going at it, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that in an Edmonton-Toronto game before. I thought it was very playoff-esque hockey. And I mean, I would love to see a Stanley Cup final between these two because it's the best, two best players, two Canadian teams, and and it would induce the rivalry that they already have. Um, I do want to shout out Mitchie for that beautiful, beautiful goal because that was that was something else. He's he's been on on different planet this this year with amazing goals. He had that one against Shesterkin earlier in the year. Um, and Nola Chari, a guy that James has been beating the drum about all year, but uh, he's he, he's stepping it up when uh, when we need it most. So yeah, it it was a great great game. Peter, yeah, um, you guys mentioned goaltending. I, maybe I missed this, or why wasn't Jack Campbell playing last night? Did like did they make it an official statement, or is it just do you guys think it was like? mind games like he didn't want to play he didn't play the last the last time either yeah i just so think, I, 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 just think me. I thought he would have gotten like a Go there ahead, was James. an instagram post that i from can't him. find but it's from him talking about the pressures in edmonton and the fans mm. and the media and it getting to him Oof, uh, it was good. brought up to, it was brought up to me last night on the live and this was done friday i think it was with him so I don't know if that has something to do with it. Maybe he's not in a good headspace. We all know that he did battle, you know, some of those headspace things yeah. while he was here, you know. And the yeah. mental game for him was a huge thing, right? I mean, he talked about it openly a bunch of times. So I thought it would have been really cool to see him play because you know the fans in Toronto would have been chanting soup after every save. Like it, yeah. it would have yeah. been nice to see got- him. But how did you guys see the um the video tribute he got? Like the Nicolas Cage like video clip that was his tribute it was so cringy i did i didn't understand it at all but like, i just saw a couple of uh david alter had a couple of picks from the, yeah uh, yeah the thing there yeah i didn't yeah. get it myself but i mean yeah i would have loved to seen soupy but you know it is what it is you know obviously oh. he still has some demons with against the leafs where he didn't he didn't like the way it ended didn't like the way he was treated but also again that instagram post if you can find it um, it, it was it, to me. Is it the, just about his return to Toronto? Because it says so many special moments, and even going out today, I was remembering a lot of the little things that meant the world to me. And that's all I see. It. This was from no. TSA. This was a video. It was a done video. It was a clip, and uh, it was on there. But I, I it can't seem to find it anywhere. And last night in my live, some people were talking about it. So that to me, you know, just shows that maybe something. You know, it's a mental block for him, you know, probably playing the Leafs. A video of him talking? So he really embraced me during my time here and um, a lot of great memories and things I'll cherish my whole life. And obviously a big game tonight for the fellas. So it's an exciting day for us and get to go out and play a really uh, top uh, top tier team. And uh, nice to be back. Uh, Mitch was saying he expects the reception for you to be pretty epic. The love that you're going to get. Have you thought about what the moment's going to be like when the fans, uh, you know, res- you know, respect you and welcome you back yeah i mean i definitely appreciate all the love they've given me um you know my career here and can't really imagine what it's going to be like to be honest until the moment happens and uh he sounds like he's pretty emotional about it though i I don't think that's the one that i'm talking of but you can hear it in his voice i mean 
it's probably something that he's not ready to face. Just not ready to. Because he was supposed to start in Edmonton, and we all know what happened last minute. Stuart Skinner went in, so we'll we'll see how it plays out, you know, in future meetings. But right now, not ready to face the Toronto Maple Leafs. But guys, that was the week that was Toronto Maple Leafs going two and zero, not too shabby. Only two games on the docket, but this week, the week that will be for the Toronto Maple Leafs is a four game slate. It's the Sabers, Avalanche, Hurricanes, and the Senators on a back to back. Two of those teams fighting for their playoff lives. One team in the Hurricanes that defensively is stout and their goaltending, well, they seem to just keep finding guys that are pretty darn good between the pipes. And then the Avalanche. We all know the Avalanche and Nathan McKinnon and all that story. Um, I'll start with you, Pete, for this one. We'll we'll save Omar for almost last of what he thinks the Leafs will do this week. Pete, what is your record for the Maple Leafs this week? My record for the week. Okay, so we got Buffalo tomorrow, Colorado Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Carolina, I'm going to that game. Um, I'm going to that game. No fucking way. We got to meet up. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. St. Patty's, let's go. But uh, okay, so Buffalo tomorrow. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say they lose that one. I, they're gonna beat Colorado Friday. They're gonna win, obviously, because I'm there. And then <laughs> Senators always give us a tough time, yeah. even though it's like another home game. I, I say they're gonna go two and two this week. Two and two. All yeah. right. Nothing on the back end. Dylan, what do you got for a record? Pete's two and two. Um, what was I just gonna say? Um two, one and one. I think we are gonna lose against uh Ottawa in overtime loss against uh Colorado. All right, all right, all right. Omar, what do you think for the week? I don't know why I feel so confident about this one. <laughs> I, I think I'm gonna you know what again. I think I'm gonna say they go three and one. Okay. I think they lose to Ottawa. Yeah, yeah. Because it's always Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think because yeah. um, like I, I I think about the Buffalo game and like I think okay, well you know like we kind of embarrassed in the lot the last time you know Ryan really got the hat trick. Werner had five points, I think, but. You know, I, I I hope that they, they kind of start to go on a little roll a little bit. And again, I think the, the competitiveness of these games, it's not like a, okay, well, it's just Buffalo, whatever we can, we can, we can try to be easy, but this like Buffalo's like trying, like actively trying, trying to push. Um, I think Colorado will be a game that Keith will definitely try to hype up a little bit. Like, you know, like these were last year's Stanley cup champions. Yep. I think you look at the Carolina game, like this is, this is a team that like, for some reason, no one's talking about it as much especially when it comes to the East, like, you know, Carolina isn't getting that much of a focus, but they're a great team. So I can see them showing up for those three games. And then, you know, second half of a back-to-back, I think. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Second half. Yeah. Second half of back-to-back. It's Ottawa. Ottawa always, always gives us trouble. Jacob Trickin probably gets like a hat trick or something. Oh, you're so, so, <laughs> so oh. I'll say, I'll say three, one, I'll say three, one, three, one. So, um, uh, right. like that. All right, I'll get my record here in just a second, but I want to touch. You just mentioned uh, Chikrin. How emotionally got about his grandfather being in the building uh, and being cool. around his family and how he's going to cherish uh, every moment here playing with the Ottawa Senators. And the little snipe he made at the Arizona Coyotes saying there was more people in warm-up Whoa. watching him than there's ever been at the Arizona Coyote rink was a pretty big snipe uh, from a guy, you know, that's pretty even keel. But uh, to watch the emotion roll over his face, though, about his grandfather, I, I love that. Um, you know, him getting all choked up and telling them, hey, you know, you're choking me up here. I love that. I love that. And, uh, yeah, I can see him having a game against Toronto yeah. on Saturday, a couple buddies on the team. Uh, but for me, I go 3-0-1. Uh, I think they beat Buffalo. I think they beat the Avalanche. Uh, I think they have some fun with the Carolina Hurricanes and run the score up. And then I think they have an overtime loss. They battle back but they get an overtime loss against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, put the 3-0 on one on the week. But, hey, what you want to see is you want to see them pick up victories because we want that separation from Tampa. Uh, even though Tampa went on that little skid, they're still only four points back. So it could change in a hurry for at least having home ice to not having home ice. So you want to get these points right now. All right, that was the week that was. Now let's get to the least good, bad, and the ugly brought to you by our friends over at Smitty Sports Cards. Um, the good this week for the Toronto Maple Leafs is Matt Murray was healthy enough to play a hockey game. He was between the pipes. He didn't look exactly great, but obviously you need to get the rust off and get back to playing. Hadn't played an actual game since I think the middle of January. 
Um, and again, the other parts of the lineup, Jake McCabe, uh, Sam Lafferty, Gustafson as well, all starting to look like they fit in. Nola Chari looks like he's been here for a long time. Uh, so for me, the good this week is just the symmetry between the teams and everybody kind of fitting in where they need to fit in. Uh, what do you guys think for the good this week, Omar? Yeah, I think I think Noel Chari. Um, I, I like the fact that the fourth line like has an identity and yeah. and they 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 own it. Um, again, I, I really like how you know uh, you know the uh, fourth line that you know they start they start wearing a game. Um, and I think it's actually I think the I think the player that's benefited the most of Achari is actually Zach Aston Reese. Um, yep. who I think I think the longest time to try to figure out like you know am I going to be a heavy hitter am I going to be defensively responsible am I going to try to chip in offensively and mm-hmm. I think he's just kind of be more towards the, the physical aspect of it and like really really trying to pin bodies and pucks along 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 the boards and I think camp camp the uh compliments of those two as well because he likes to do this like random like I'm just going to throw the puck into the slot and see what happens um and a lot of a lot of like Leafs players have benefited from that but again I do think it, it all starts with Noel Chari and what and what he has done just over, I think he just in, in you know kind of enhanced the team toughness and he keeps the opposition and I think the team itself a little bit a little bit more honest as well so uh, Noel Charlie definitely gets uh gets my good for this week my good my good this week is uh is that guy heating up? Uh, he's potted a couple in recent games, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, what else he has in store for the rest of this season. So my good is um, the court four just lighten it up. And uh, Omar, I saw you make a great tweet. So uh, <laughs> shout out Yu-Gi-Oh! But uh, basically, Mitch Barter is the best magician. Austin yeah. Matthews, the Black Luster Soldier, John Tavares, Guy the Fierce Knight, William Nylander, Celtic Guard. I love that. That's a lot of people <laughs> were very confused. Yeah, no. <laughs> if you know you, yeah, you know. But I, the I reference lands here. That's all that matters. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, for me, the bad this week for the Toronto Maple Leafs is uh, the news that we heard today. And uh, I use today because it's the week isn't over and it really will affect this week coming up with uh, one Ilya Samsonov, not a hundred percent. The reason why Matt Murray is going tomorrow. Um, that really worries me. David Alter uh, used the words load management in terms of Ilya Samsonov. Um, we know Joe Wool can come up and play pretty darn well in a pinch. But these are important times, and obviously Samsonov is an important goaltender. Now, there was no alluding to what it is, whether it's an illness, something he tweaked, or something bothering him. Um, But after having a week off of not playing, you would think that whatever may be ailing him might be all right, but uh, apparently he's not 100%. So for me, there is nothing else bad to talk about except for the fact there may be something going on with Ilya Samsonov. Pete, I see you smiling. What do you think? I just hope the goaltending can stay healthy, man. Um, like I, th- I think it's almost guaranteed that Matt Murray is going to get injured in the playoffs. I mean, knock on wood, he stays healthy for the rest of the season. But like, if the goaltending... I, I, like, do we know what's wrong with Samsonov right now? Is he just feeling ill or like what... Like, they just said not a hundred percent and load management with the end. I mean, so. like them, I don't know. Put a, put in Joseph Wool. Uh, Eric Schalgren is no. Bring Wool. I want to see more Wool. Yeah, not the yeah, that's Wool too. <laughs> but um, I don't know, man. As long as we can get one steady starter in the playoffs, hopefully it's Samsonov. I'm good with that. But yeah, let's uh, take it one day at a time and Sam, let Samsonov rest here. Yeah, Dylan, what do you what do you think there about Delia Samsonov? Is that your bad for the week, or is there something else that kind of no, no, my mine isn't uh, an on necessarily an on ice thing. Um, I don't know whose TikTok popped up on on, on my feed, and it was <laughs> oh, saying that it was saying that, that said... Austin Matthews wants oh, yeah, to Toronto because he injured Ryan O'Reilly's finger. Yeah. And I just want to say, you couldn't be any more wrong. And I just think that that idea was just for the clicks. And I, I was just 
dumbfounded when I saw it. I I, I just couldn't believe it. Well, you just said it right there. It's for the clicks. It did its job, right? It got around. It was circulated. Everybody saw it, and everybody was laughing at it or whatever you were doing at it. But that's an idiotic take. I mean, it was like really? 126,000 <laughs> likes. I'm like, buddy, you just wanted those clicks. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Omar, for you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. tinfoil hat on, and that's the oh, biggest. My. Listen, I'm I'm a tinfoil hat guy. With, you know, Jake Muzzin and everything else. But Austin Matthews intentionally injuring Ryan O'Reilly because, A, he's jealous, and, B, he wants out of Toronto is yeah. just pure and utter BS. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. For you to concoct that and think of that, that is movie-esque. That is something, like, somebody puts on a TV show. But anyways, yeah, yeah I'm not going to give more airtime to it. Omar, what's your bad for the week for the Maple Leafs? I mean, that Samsung move was actually pretty bad because if you were to ask me like right now, like who would be the least starter game one, like it would be him. And yeah. especially after like Murray's performance in Edmonton, like or against mm-hmm. Edmonton, like, I mean, maybe it might be like a, you know, blessing in disguise. You know, he got, kind of gets an opportunity to, you know, to redeem himself a little bit. But like, I know Keith was saying that he kind of wants to get both cultures um, a run as the season continues, but I was kind of hoping that like Samson would kind of get the edging and get him get him in a little bit, but if he's injured and you know Murray's playing the way that he's playing, and then or he gets injured and we have to like rely on like Joseph Ball in the playoffs, which would be interesting, but extremely scary. Um, that's definitely pretty bad. Yeah, it would definitely be pretty bad. And for uh, for Leafs fans, I mean, don't worry yet. We don't know if it's an injury. We don't know if it's a bug. Um, but John Tavares, same thing. You know, wasn't feeling one hundred percent. Were the exact same words that were used. So we'll take mm-hmm. it day by day and see what happens. But Matt Murray is your starter for tomorrow for now. Now, the ugly around Leafland for me um, is really the glaring no penalty calls on Michael Bunting. Obviously, you know, we touched on this and we spoke with Dave Jackson via DM, former ref for the NHL, ESPN rule analyst. Uh, Omar, you probably know of him, um, mm-hmm. you know, in your times. But, um, you know, he said, you know, bunting doing what he's doing, yelling at referees and screaming, being a hothead, embarrassing refs is not going to help him. And it looks like that fruit is starting to bear a little bit here, um, you know, with things that are happening to him. He's getting hit. He's getting clipped. He's getting taken down. Um, Yes, there were some calls yesterday, but it was more of the two going and not the one. So for me, the ugly right now, is Michael Bunting trying to get back into the ref's good graces, uh, in my opinion, really just trying to figure that out before the playoffs. When it is a key thing that happens and the whistles go away even more, you don't want some sort of egregious call not called because people, A, either think you're a diver or B, you're a hothead towards a referee because the way that you treat them on the ice and try to embarrass them. That's my ugly for the week. Uh, Omar, what would yours uh, would yours be there? I kind of want to want to address that a little bit because it's like, especially especially in the Edmonton game, I I saw so much stuff that like Bunting gets like you know you know that a lot of people have said like a reason why he has like such issues like oh you know, with officiating that like other people were doing, like Ryan Nugent Hopkins is tripped by Marner. Oh my right. The fans is not. It, it, it was so, it was like so. I I see that. I see like other players, you know, dropping f bombs and saying, "Oh, that's so effing bad" and stuff. At you know different, uh, you know, different penny call, got penny calls and stuff. And then I don't know. It it, it sucks because that's definitely going to happen, which is enforced. So that that's a little that's a little ugly as well. Um, but but you know, besides besides the point. Um. I know we. I know there was a lot of talk about like Herford on the top line. I'm not really going to focus too much on that, but there was a thing that Kerfoot did in like the last, like the final like two or three minutes of the game when they're trying to defend a lead where he did like a between the legs, no look pass in the defensive zone. That's ugly. Don't do that. <laughs> I say, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, so I saw that. I, I saw that and just like, like spontaneous screw, like high pitch, like no, because like it's Edmonton. It's just two goals. They have, they had an empty net at that point. Like you never know what's going to happen. So those are the things that you hope just like don't continue. Maybe it's just like one lapse of judgment or whatever. 
Um, but that was definitely an ugly play, uh, ugly play for me. And, I, and uh, Kerfoot, you're better than that. You're a smarter player than that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> Dylan, what's your ugly for the week? Oh, God. I don't really know. Um, you want me to go? Yeah, send it. Um, the fucking Leaf ticket prices. How about that? I, oh, yeah. So we looked at tickets for uh, the Edmonton game because obviously Connor McDavid comes once a year. And uh, what was it? I think for standing tickets, it was like 350 And I was just like, nope, that's okay. I don't need to see Connor McDavid for $350 for one ticket. Um, yeah, I'm going Friday. I got a deal on it. I paid 100 bucks. That's even a lot of money. That's a ton of money. And, uh, yeah, no, I, these leave tickets are outrageous. I can't wait to see what playoff tickets are going to be like. But uh, oh, I don't know. Okay. What do you guys think? How much, like, a Game 7 Stanley Cup ticket would cost you? Uh, Something well, ridiculous, why, why, right? why even start this? That'll be a day where, like, everyone banks own the, the country. We'll get yeah. many like loan requests. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, I understand, but like, I need to go to this game. It's ten thousand dollars or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I mean, we need to go, but yeah, game. yeah. <laughs> it's like just give me this one. Just give me this one. One game, please. <laughs> that's it. Approve it. Yeah. People will be <laughs> yeah, selling my for the week. I want. Yeah. I want to agree on that. That is my ugly. I was at the winery last week, and my uh friend's husband is a ottawa senators fan we looked at tickets i think 10 up from the glass for him to go to ottawa is 150 dollars per ticket for the leafs is 10x that so yeah that just absurd i know different like one's a playoff team one isn't but ah it's got to it's got to change at some point, I think. But uh, I guess you're right. The banks are going to get uh, pretty busy come playoff yeah, time. Yeah, the best time, the best place to go during the playoffs is definitely the square. That is like, yep. it's so fun if you guys get to go because you're hugging and high-fiving people you've never met you, yep. every time they score. So <laughs> shout out to the Leaf Square. There we go. No, it's always a hopping spot. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was your good, the bad, the ugly for this week brought to you by our friends over at Smitty Sports Cards. All right, so now we go off the glass here. Uh, just a couple topics that we want to touch on throughout the NHL. Uh, one is the expansion news or the simmering expansion news for the NHL. Um, again, Atlanta might be getting another team, another shot at this. And then, of course, Houston's another market. And then quietly in the background, you have Kansas City as well, uh, another team. Notice how I did not name a Canadian city yet for another team, especially when we have one that has a full-fledged, up-and-running, brand-spanking new arena just playing host to a Quebec Major Junior Hockey League team. Um, I want to ask you guys, what do you think about the expansion here? Are these markets the ones that they should be targeting? Obviously, I think Houston's smart. Um, Atlanta, to me, it's like you had the Flames, you had the Thrashers. What's different this time? That's the, the issue for me. Um, mm-hmm. I'd rather see them venture into a new market altogether. Yep. Um, Houston maybe relocation if Tempe falls through for the Coyotes, which I don't know. I don't think it's going to. I think everything's trending in the right direction. But um, I would like to see a team in Quebec. I would. I would love to see one there. Hell, I won't even say Halifax. I'd like to see one out east, maybe uh, New Brunswick somewhere. I'm sure that we would all travel uh, to Moncton from out east here, from Nova Scotia, PEI, Newfoundland. Uh, you would get a draw like there is no, and there would be no bigger kitchen party when that team is home and it would be kicking off. I, I just point to the Thunderbirds coming in from the NLL and the support and the craziness, the raucousness that goes on at the nest for that team. But um, Omar, I'll ask you, expansion seems like it's on the horizon these things don't get out unless there's noise being actually made um what do you feel about it and where would you like the nhl to expand to next yeah i mean i think as far as what you know whether it's going to happen and i think there are there are two main reasons why it's going to happen and while it's probably going to continue to happen uh first reason vegas second reason seattle 
Vegas yeah. goes to the Stanley Cup final first year, and they made the playoffs every single year except for last year, whereas Seattle in their second year are on their way to making the playoffs. So if there are other teams who are other, other cities who are like, oh, we want an NHL team, but, you know, we don't want to be bad for like five years and have to like, make, you know, have to lose a whole bunch of money. You can look at those teams like they've only been bad one year. Right, like oh, two, two, but two, uh, two between the between the two of them. So, like, based off of the way which ex- expansion draft and how like like good players are being taken and going to these teams, and like it's actually interesting that like you know that Seattle is, is where they were because like I didn't think they had the best expansion draft, but like no. you know they they ended up they figuring it out, figuring it out. You know they made some trades, made some acquisitions, acted very well, and now here they are. Um, now as far as like teams to add you know aside from like atlanta and and, and houston again i i do think it would be cool to get another canadian team and there's actually when um you know after like you know um i think it was at the chicken trade i kind of i kind of chirped at the coyotes because i was appalled at the return i was like move the team to halifax and there were a lot of like halifax people like commenting like, yes do that that'd be awesome so like yeah i think that'd be sick you know i think i think i've, I've watched games online um, um, you know, online on uh, at at home uh, that arena and like how loud it can get, and I think that would be pretty sick. You know, again, be, you know, to add another Canadian team, even though hockey's a hockey's can sport, but for the most part, the focus seems to be on the states. So yeah. it may not be, it may not be on the horizon right now, but like it'd really be cool to get another team up here. Yeah, definitely would be. Uh, Pete, what do you think? Expansion? Yes, no. And when, you, when it's expansion, we're adding two teams, right? We're not relocating two teams. So wouldn't that mean we have to add another two teams to just balance the divisions? Like they didn't that... do it when they brought in Vegas. They rolled with thirty-one. Yeah, but then they also brought in Seattle because they, they brought in Seattle. Cool. What was it? Five years later. Was it five years later? Yeah, years last, later? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was five. Okay. And then Arizona, well, I... Arizona also switched divisions as well. They went from. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't know if they went from like Central to Pacific or Pacific to Central, but like there was. Um, I know they went to the. Um, they went to the Pacific and uh, Seattle went to the Central. I think. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, I think Houston would be a good place. Um, I think they're the biggest city that doesn't have an NHL team right now. I think. US, I think. Yeah, in the U.S., um, I think that it makes a lot of sense to move a team there. Um, I saw someone say Hamilton, Ontario. I was like, I don't know, mm. don't know about that, but uh, definitely. Jim Ball Silly says hi. What's that? Jim Ball Silly says hi. He tried that. Remember? <laughs> oh, fair enough. Um, fast but, track the Penguins there. Yeah, uh, Quebec City makes a lot of sense. I mean, they already have the arena. I'm pretty sure the fan base would be there, like much like uh, Winnipeg was. So I don't know. We'll wait and see if they add an extra two teams, but I think. You- make more sense to, to have four teams to, to just balance the divisions, but we'll see. What do you think there, Dylan? I think if you're adding a West team, you have to add an East team, in my opinion. So like Houston makes, makes sense. And so does Quebec, but I, I mean, man, I've been, I've been to Halifax and I would love a team there for the sake of the East, East coasters out there. They, the arena in Halifax is not bad by any means. And you'd have a lot of supporters there. Um, I don't like the idea of Atlanta. Like, like I, I understand that like there are people with money there, and it's it's pretty big. But like, I I don't I don't see like a like a, a fan base doing well there because of like like I, you don't hear about people in hockey coming from Atlanta. You know what I mean? Like, you don't really either from Houston, but you know Texas is a little bit bigger. Like. People do play hockey there a bit, I guess, because of Dallas and, and whatnot. But I I think um, seeing a balance with eight Canadian teams and then another American team would make a lot of sense to me. We'll have to see what the NHL decides to do. But we all know when it comes to dollars, it makes sense to Gary Bettman. So yep. it'll be a, a thing that they put the price tag on if someone's willing to meet it. Then they will add these teams and it will grow um, another thing for me, looking around, I did not like the the optics of firing Chuck Fletcher from the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, I know that they were going to try to let him ride out the rest of the season, 
Um, it seemed more like fan pressure than anything that got him the the ultimate axe right away. Um, but the trade deadline, I know that was a bongling. I know it was. But at the same time, the guy went up to a press conference, got booed, had to be defended by his head coach in John Tortorella. Um, but then you fire him. I mean, listening to Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman talk about it on their show and, you know, the things that Chuck Fletcher apparently is going through uh, beyond hockey, you know, it just seemed almost like a cold kind of move because the Flyers aren't doing anything. There's nothing happening here. You can wait till the end of the season, the very end of the season, and then fire him. That's where you can do it. So that way the Mm -hmm. Flyers are no longer in the newsreel. The team's not having to play games and you move on. Whoever you want is already being groomed. Hello, Danny Briere. You're already there. And you know he's going to be the guy charging your draft. So you don't really need to do anything. But you fire him and say, well, it's because we wanted to protect him. Well, no, the damage is already done. You know, you should allow the guy to be around the team until the end of the year and do it properly. To me, firing because the fans booed him and because of the pressure and and just everything that went on around it, I didn't like it, didn't sit well with me. Um, But again, I know hockey is a business, but it just seemed really cold and callous to me. Uh, What what do you think, Omar? Yeah, I mean, it's... it's interesting to kind of think about because, you know, like, so like on, on the surface objection, did Chuck, Chuck Fletcher deserve to lose his job? Yes. I yeah. think, I think despite, despite, you know, the, the, um, the mishandling of the trade deadline, I think even the years prior when they were actually trying to compete, I think there are some, you know, questionable and interesting like deals and trade and signings that were made that didn't necessarily make too much sense or, or didn't really work where I'll work out for, for both sides or, or some of them would, that would just like just plain, plain bad luck. I mean, like you trade Ryan Ellis and then he's straight, then he's injured. And um, then, you know, you can't really get too much value from on, on the ice. So like, that's unfortunate, but um, I don't know. I, I, I it, it seems as if it's, it was a scenario for the flyers where I guess they tried their best to maybe come out, come off looking the best or, or kind of maybe try to have the best scenario possible and it just wouldn't work. So maybe okay, maybe you don't fire Chuck Fletcher, but you you hire Daniel Breer as like I don't know a consultant or whatever. But everyone kind of like reads the writing on the wall. Like yeah, sure, he's yeah. he's just a consultant, a person who's already who was in the past like interviewed for like GM jobs. I, I want to say he was one of like the um, if not the finalist, but like he was in consideration for like um for the Habs job before before they um before yep. they hired Hughes. He so it's like, okay, so like. Uh, so is it that? So I don't know. I, I think maybe it was just like they knew what they wanted to do. They they knew that Breer was going to be their guy. Maybe they wanted to give him some time to kind of acclimatize to the organization, um, know what's there, kind of make an actual plan for a concrete rebuild. These are our young players. These are our picks. This is what we're going to do at the draft. These are people that we're going to move. And I guess instead of like you know bringing him in and kind of trying to sugarcoat what his responsibilities are, they just said, okay, we'll just cut bait with with Chuck Fletcher and then bring him in. Um, because all, all the things that I've read and heard so far have been that like the old, the, the whole interim thing for for Beer is, is just a name that like they they definitely plan on moving forward with him long term. Um, so maybe it was, maybe it was just like um a, from a place just ripping off band aid. Um, regardless of how it looked. Um, I kind of see both sides of this. Um, in, in one sense, like say you fire uh Chuck before the trade deadline. I don't think they would have want to put a lot of pressure on Daniel Barrier to make those decisions like as as soon as as soon as possible at the trade deadline. I think that would be very difficult being a rookie GM trying to make trades and 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 I think a, a fan base would react and be like, "Oh, why did you do this and this? Uh, like, couldn't you have gotten more to a rookie GM where Chuck like he has established his name and he can he can reiterate that like this is this is what we got. I know he didn't make I don't know I know he didn't make the moves, but um, I I think this eases Daniel Briere into his his role uh, heading into obviously the draft, which um, is pretty big for Philadelphia considering how deep the draft is. And then um, like I feel I feel terrible for Chuck. I, like I in a sense like firing him before and avoiding the whole uh, fan base situation would have been, 
would have been good, but um, I, I think if he's dealing with some something else personal, maybe he should have taken a leaf sooner, maybe. Um, but I, I think I, I think uh, they kind of wanted Chuck to take the trade deadline rather than Daniel Breer, in my opinion. Can see that. Can see that. I, I still think they should have kept him around till the end of the year. Pete, what say you? Um, I don't know. I feel like it was a mercy killing after the that interview with the fans booing him. But um, what like what were they really mad with? Just not getting anything for JVR? Like the, yeah. I don't even know their trade. Like what did they trade this year? Uh, JVR, JVR just wrong. Zach McEwen. Yeah, they got Zach. And Ivan Provorov was on the the block as well, right? They got they didn't trade him. Yeah, I think those kind of deals are deals that you have to do more in the offseason yeah. than trying mm-hmm. to tool that up at a, at a trade deadline. I think you I start think, the talks around now. Yeah, I think a lot of moves could happen at the draft. And, like, I don't know, like, they're just a team in, like, a, in la-la land because they should be competitive and or they should have started the rebuild a lot sooner than what they what they have. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. All right, well, we'll finish the uh, off-the-glass segment here. Uh, we're running a little heavy on time, so we want to get the glass segment and then our Bearded Blue Warrior, which Omar will be joining us for, which is awesome. Um, the last one for me, the tweet circulating about one player who did suit up for a lot of games for the Phoenix, Arizona Coyotes, uh, Mr. Shane Doan. Is he a Hall of Famer? Um, I'll get you guys to go around the horn here. That's the question. Soup du jour today. Pete. Shane Doan, Hall of Famer, simple, yes or no? I don't know his stats. He is. I'll read them off to you. 1,540 games, 972 career points. I don't know his accolades either. Uh, I'll just say yes, yes. He's a, he's a Hall of Famer. All right, all right. Dylan, Hall of Famer, Shane Doan, yes or no? Uh, Yes. All right, all right. Omar, Shane Doan, Hall of Fame, yes or no? No. <laughs> I'm with you, Omar. No for Shane Doan. Mm-hmm. Um, great guy. Has done a lot for the game. Um, you know, Obviously, international hockey-wise as well. I know they call it the Hockey Hall of Fame, not just the NHL Hall of Fame. But he needs a few more accolades on his resume. Mm-hmm. Also, not eclipsing uh, the 1,000-point mark. When you don't have a lot of those big trophy accolades on your resume, really kind of hold you back, in my opinion. I think um, being in Arizona really affected that, though. <laughs> you know what? For a guy that played in Arizona, a lot of people knew who he was, especially one guy who wears this jersey right here. Yeah, Very influential on one Austin Matthews. But I still don't think it's enough to get him in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. But we shall see. All right, so let's jump into it. It's our Bearded Blue Warrior, brought to you by our friends over at Boxing Rock Brewing Co. Yes, we throw on the blue beards because it's weird and it's fun. Why not? All right, I don't have one where I join. (laughs) We'll we'll send you one. We're getting more made up, so they'll be here. Um, So for your Bearded Blue Warrior this week, who is someone you think is a Bearded Blue Warrior? Yeah, for me, uh, we talked about him earlier. Uh, Noel Charlie, Charlie, for me, I, 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 I love what what he's what he's brought to the team so far. Um, the 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 fact that he's he's like surprisingly fast, and like so, and like he's a player that you don't necessarily think think was think is fast, but he's a hard skater. Again, he checks, he keeps keeps people honest, and again, I just love how he can consistent uh, consistently like sticks up sticks up for players. Um, for for his teammates and for his linemates, and like, I I can't wait to watch him in the playoffs. So he's definitely uh my bearded blue warrior for uh, for this week. Love it, love it. Uh, Pete, who's yours? Give me Michael Bunting. He... <laughs> what was the goal he scored? Uh, I think it was New Jersey. Did you it see was, how yeah. he was the face he made? He was uh, very so excited. <laughs> The, like he he had a great game. Um, I, I loved his game last night. Again, just pissing off of Vander Kane, and yeah, he's my bearded blue warrior. All right, Dylan, who is your bearded blue warrior? Mitch Marner, uh, for that beautiful, beautiful goal. All, basically, a defensive play. You just turning the puck over, um, and for even if he stopped the season now, he would still be a point per game. So shout out to him. 
All right, guys. Well, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with someone that everybody's probably gonna be like, "Yeah, we should have." It's gonna be 134. Austin Matthews, uh, guy mm-hmm. took a puck off the knee on Saturday night against Vancouver. Still played both games this week. Still scored in both games. Then elevated his 200 foot game against one of the best players of our generation. And Connor McDavid <clears throat> got under his skin, got physical, got testy, um, was hitting, was blocking shots, everything you want to see from your superstar player. Right there, Austin Matthews solidifies my bearded blue warrior for the week. Because why not get AM34 on there? Uh, Omar, it is amazing to always get to sit down and talk with you. Can you tell everyone where they can listen to you on a more regular basis other than here every once in a blue moon? Um, yeah, so uh, I do a lot of stuff with uh, with Yahoo. Uh, it was a time um, with uh, Avery Lewis McDougall, uh, Julia McKenzie, Sam Chang. Uh, yeah, we agree talking about different things. Um, also interventions on it as well. And then um, discuss pretty much on Twitter. Uh, Tic-tac-toe-more. It's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> Go follow. I've been, I've been riding with Tic-tac-toe-more from the, the very beginning when it was uh, White's Corner was the, mm, uh, the old name that you had going on on the other side there when we first linked yeah. up and did all of our shows about everyone going from Toronto to Carolina or Carolina to Toronto. Um, yeah, so and now always- it's Edmonton. Yes. <laughs> as much as it changes, it stays the same, just different names in the game. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome to have you on, my friend. Look forward to having you on, hopefully closer to the playoffs. Hype it up a little bit and get excited. But ladies and gentlemen, this has been Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk. Mm-hmm.